Verulam Sports. Hello and welcome to Verulam Sport Podcasting. And uh, this is a really important one. I'm excited. Uh, we're joined tonight by the uh, manager, the head coach for our St. Albans City Football Club. Everybody, I'm sure, is aware of the bigger picture. And tonight, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to let the chips fall where they might. I'm really excited to talk to Ian, really simply to consider footballing matters and to remind everybody of what a phenomenal campaign the Saints have enjoyed. Ian, welcome back to Verum Sports Podcasting. How are you? I'm very well, Tony. Thank you. And uh, thank you for inviting me on the show. Well, Ian, honestly, we love supporting the Saints. You are the lifeblood of our community here in St. Albans, and it's always a privilege to enjoy your company. Ian, as I say, lots happening, but again, just talking football matters. Um, when you and I last spoke in kind of the build-up to the pre-season, there was a sense, wasn't there, that after that phenomenal result, if you can remember it, going back to the uh, curtailed previous season, after a very much... Uh, landmark result away at Bath and then an improved run of form the Saints were beginning to build momentum but there was obviously a lot to build upon it must have been really pleasing Ian from your perspective to see the strides that our Saints have made this campaign yeah, I think you. I think you did right and, and it is good that you go back as, as far as that because you know, Christmas, I think it was December the, December the 13th, 2019, we had 13 points. Um, and we managed to, to go to Weymouth and beat Weymouth and beat Hemorn. And then we a little bit of a funny run again with Hemel and Wildstone. Before we, we then managed to sort of get three or four players in, um, people like uh, Munash Sundaya came in, um, Lewis Gordon come in, Harry Forster come in. We managed to get Frankie Masunda back from Luton. And just those four bodies just made us uh, so much stronger and such a better team. And I think that showed in the performances at Bath and performances at Haven. And uh, it was just a shame that, you know, the season came to an end when it did. Uh, it, was, it was for the right reasons as well. Um, and you can see where we are 12 months down the line that it should have been shut down a week beforehand. Um, but I just felt the side at them stages had had really progressed and evolved from where we started the season. And that's not to say I didn't think we were poor early on, but we were, I think we were very good technically, but we never had any physicality about our performances. Um, by bringing them additional players in, it gave us that, that physicality that we needed. And, and I think by doing the majority of our business early when we were in lockdown, we managed to get most of those people signed over the line. And I think we've, um, we've got the, uh, the fruits really from our, from our, um, from the way we behaved and the way we reacted in, in lockdown. And, and this is where I, and why I think we're where we are at the moment. And again, I just want to remind everybody of this. Let's put this into context. As it stands, again, it's null and void. Not going to even consider it. It is what it is. But just in a bubble, uh, the Saints kind of lie in fifth in the National Valorama League South. But played 15, won nine, drawn five with only one defeat putting you on a total of 32 points. Again, we'll give everybody the reminder of the context here because Dorking Wanderers, who top the table, have 39 points with 18. Ian, 
again, it's academic now, but I just want to remind everybody, you know as well as anybody, the old cliche that points in the bag are better than the old games in the hand syndrome. But that's a lot of games in hand that you guys had. And again, a really impressive record. Just reflects, doesn't it, what we were talking about? Because those facts don't lie. I mean, that's a remarkable campaign that you're putting together. I think you have to go back. We had 10 pre-season games as well, and we didn't lose one of them. And we played Sutton, Kings Lynn, um, Wildstone, Cheson, Hendon. You know, we played some good sides, Watford under 23s, and we didn't lose a game in pre-season. So this has been going on since uh, since the 15th of August. Um, obviously, a couple of little mishaps and a couple of blips where, you know, we've lost to, to Bishop Stortford away in the FA Cup, which was, it was a big game. And I really do believe that the, the defeat and the last couple of the draws have really been down to the inconsistency we've had in fixtures. Um, when we broke up on the 19th of December after the Sutton defeat, um, we then had to, had to with, the, with the COVID that was around and it, and it was quite bad in the, in the club and we had to make sure that everybody remained safe there. We then came back at a couple of games and went into a two-week unforced lockdown due to the league. We had two more games and, and, and two Two draws against Billericay and Hemel. I think both games we should have won them um, and put us in an even better position we are. But unfortunately, a lot of it is beyond our control. And, you know, we sit here now today. I know there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes in, in trying to resurrect the season and, and trying to get us back up to playing again. Uh, but we're in the hands of, of Lawrence, you know, the owners of the football club and the people that are fighting to get the season back up. It's uh, For me, it's been a bit of a travesty in terms of the way that the season's come to an end. Um, and, and, we'll, and I'm sure we'll touch on it in, in terms of how many, how many supporters and, and, and staff and, and players it's affected over the last few weeks. And uh, as I say, I'm really, really pleased where we are. I, I think it's been a magnificent season. I'm actually a little bit disappointed at this stage that we're not even better and further up the league than what, what I felt we would have been a couple of weeks ago. And Ian, for me... All of that honesty, again, is just a reflection of what we've come to know and appreciate about you and your stance. Um, and I love that because, as I say, I, I'm uh, very infused by where you currently are. And as you say, lots behind the scenes. We wish you well with all of that. A couple of things, that, again, focusing on pitch that I want to talk to you about. Um, because the last time we spoke, you and I, in the run-up to the preseason, after you did all that strong business, certainly not resting on any laurels there, um, Ian, um, was the need to spread the goals around. Obviously, uh, Joe Iosefano has left, or left, but he was the superstar, really, last season. 18 goals, the next highest goal scorer was Zane Banton. For me, I've been impressed to see, whilst Sean Jeffers is the leading goal scorer with 11, Michael Weiss already up there with six, Zane Banton uh, four, as well as being an assist merchant with seven. One of the key areas there that was identified has come to fruition. And I think, again, that's one of the, being the key areas to the Saints' successes. Would you say that that was an important uh, step forward in this Saints' progression? I think it was important to, to replace Joe. Um, we replaced him with a different style of a centre-forward, um, somebody that, that's probably better and, and is more comfortable with his back-to-goal, where Joe liked to be looking to run in behind teams. Um, the addition of Mitchell Weiss, which was um, my coaches have to take full credit for that. Um, Chris and Steve, they're the ones that, that felt he would give us a job, and I, you know, I take my hat off to them too for, for, for giving me the opportunity to, to try and progress 
Mitchell, which and the pair have been a very, very good pair in terms of the way they've uh, they've worked together. And as you say, they've they've put in most of the of the goals this season, important goals at important times. And Zane, we've always said, will weigh in between his ten and fifteen goals. We've just been probably a little bit light down the other side. Um, but also, we mustn't we mustn't forget that the contribution of defence have, have played this season. I think up until. A last game away at Billericay. We'd only conceded one goal away from home all season. That was a penalty at Concord. So, and there was a know, run, goalkeeper. wasn't there, of about, I think, five or six matches where there hadn't yeah. even been a goal conceded. And that no. was a second area that you identified as something to improve upon. Mm. So, again, great to see that. And I would suggest, though, that that also reflects the work rate of your strikers. I've seen you play a few times and the defence marshalled so well. I'm very impressed uh, with your skipper's discipline and his communication skills. But Sean Jeffers' work rate, the shift that he puts in for me, again, is instrumental and one of the reasons why that defensive record was so strong. What's your thoughts on witnessing that week in, week out? I think you did right. And, you know, the one thing that... that um, I've always been taught as a player and, and, and things that was passed on to me by coaches, managers, is that um, your first line of defence is your forwards. Um, and we've seen that with Mitchell and Sean this year, is that um, the GPS systems that they wear during the games are are up there with the best. Um, and we have to say that, you know, when them two are firing and on game, we, you know, nine times out of ten, we end up getting a clean sheet. And then, you know, we've got that, with the two wide men, that you know, their figures are fantastic in terms of the work rate. Zane probably um, wins every week, hands down, in terms of the amount of kilometres he kept, travels in a game, um, and that takes the pressure, takes the pressure off your back four, takes the pressure off your goalkeeper, um, and then you've got your midfield that, that can set themselves um, to be nice and rigid, nice and strong, get back in behind the ball when we lose it. Um, but it, as I said, G, you know, it, it does start with Sean and Mitchell, but I, I'd be wrong for me to to pinpoint two people because for me it's been a it's been a magnificent team effort to keep the clean sheets and I made a massive decision in the summer to to replace Dean Snedger with Michael Johnson um, it was it was a big decision in terms of was I getting it right but once I finished off doing the the talking to other managers and players about Michael and, and what we was going to get I felt it was the right decision to, to make that decision and I think it's uh, it's been one of the shrewdest bits of, 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 of managerial advice I've, I've done over probably the last five or six years because I think he's just given us another edge to, to the way we perform and, and the way he organises his defenders. Again, that's the key word, isn't it? Because Sorry? Uh, that's the key word, isn't it? The organisation. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of the elite level. And always when I consider goalkeepers, uh, I think to Peter Schmeichel and his command of the box and also his... Uh, dominance over that back four and then the confidence that bred obviously we're talking different uh, league levels there but the principles are the same aren't they it's that command that respect and that organization it starts as we said from the uh, forwards with our work rate but if the back four have confidence in the man and the sticks then that's not a bad formula is it I think you're dead right, and, and um, you know I sat and spoke to Michael the other week. He made a he made a mistake against Chelmsford, um, and then a mistake against Billericay, and it affected his confidence a little bit. But also, I think, and the most important thing to me, and I spoke to him about it, is, is by losing his confidence, I think he he lost this air of um, organisation 
Um, and he went a little bit quiet on me and a little bit quiet on his team. And last game against Hemel Empstead, I thought he was back to his best. You know, he, he took on board that we spoke about. Um, he was loud. He was organising his defence. And we were really unfortunate. It was, a, it was a harsh penalty, I felt, given against us. Um, but Michael was back to how, you know, I've seen him since the start of the season. You know, he's, his organisation, he, he, he's, um, the way he talks to his defenders in terms of where he wants them positioned and, and what he expects from them. And as I say, he's been a major part of what, where we are now. Absolutely. And we wish him well as he continues to build and develop. And what a great uh, foundation you guys have to build upon. Um, for me, that's the key. It is a team ethos, Ian, that you've always instilled. And it's really kind of manifested itself throughout this fantastic campaign. But I do want to just get your take on a young man who I've been so impressed with. Just find him so cultured to watch in his uh, runs off the balls and you know his, his delivery as well, both from the dead ball and from uh, live play. Luke Warner Eli, so impressed with that young man. I think he's also been a rather key member of the Saints team this season. Yeah, he came in. I mean, Luke. Uh, Luke's had a lot of clubs over the last sort of four or five years, and if you look at the number of clubs, he, he really hasn't settled down at any club. Um, and it was. It was strange when he came in. I invited him in for a bit of a trial and, and, and he impressed us, done very, very well. Um, and, you know, he, you see his goal assist, his set pieces are very good. It's allowed him to be right up there with the, with the goal assist. But his overall performances have been, been very, very good. Um, and it's been a pleasure to have around the club in terms of the way he's portrayed himself, the way he trains. Um, and it's just been a great asset to the squad. Again, as I say, you know, I, I, I know you're talking about individuals and, I'm quite happy to talk about individuals, but for me this year, it's been a massive squad um, performance, but individuals in terms of Luke being new, coming in, adjusting to the system, adjusting to the level, he, he's, been, he's been great. And, uh, you know, he, he deserves all the success he's had so far. Uh, and hopefully we can continue the season a little bit longer so he can have some more success. Hey, crossing fingers. And again, appreciate uh, you're dead right, Ian. Uh, obviously highlighting one or two names here, but it is a whole team philosophy, working as one. And that's why you have had such an impressive campaign. Again, reminder, um, played 18, won nine, drawn five and only one loss in the season so far. 32 points accumulated. What an effort. Um, another key element... Looking beyond, Ian, uh, and it was an area identified. I know it's been something dear to your heart. I know it's been a long time in the making. But tell me how exciting it's been to see the youth development side come to fruition this season. Lots of new young players signing, many of whom getting bred into the squads. Not only this fantastic foundation that we've discussed, but the, uh, the shoots for the future of our Saints really seem to be in strong hands. Give me an idea of how exciting that aspect of this campaign's been. I think it's massive, uh, Tony, in terms of how quickly and how much we've developed, um, really, since this was all put together. We're very lucky that we've had a guy like Dean Austin, um, who's been building an academy behind the scenes um, over the last few years. Um, and when I know Lawrence and Dean sat down and, and, and came up with a plan, is where we needed to be in terms of St Albans City Football Club. And behind, behind the scenes, in terms of where we've been for the last, last four or five years, we've had nothing. Um, and so to have this now at, at my disposal, um, Dean and myself probably speak every day um, in terms of what we're looking to do, how we're looking to develop. At the moment, it's so sad that 
we've gone into a bit of a lockdown because Alex and Hugh had really started to develop over the last few weeks. They're training regularly with us now on, on, a, on, a, on a weekly basis. Um, and, and I would say Alex and both you are not far away from getting a, getting a debut. Um, and it would have probably happened by now if we'd have been given the opportunity to continue playing. Um, but there's also another number uh, of players there that we're looking at. Um, you know, the idea is for us to try and progress the minimum of two every year. Um, and, and just to keep the, the system and, 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 the, and the van belt rolling in terms of where we want to be in probably five or six years' time is that the majority of this squad will be made up from, from academy boys. We know it's not going to be perfect. We know we've got to try and work hard in terms mm. of what we have to develop. But St Albans is a, is a massive town in terms of in footballers. Um, and we've missed out on a few over the last few years. So by having this system will allow us to to develop our own um, and hopefully and, and looking at the way they are being developed and they're being coached and they're being mm -hmm. looked after in terms of all of that development that hopefully we can unearth one or two that can go on and make it at, um, the premiership um, and make the club some money first and foremost sure. but put our academy into the uh, into the spotlight as being one one of the best locally and that would be be fantastic you know we we want to put teams like Stevenage, Luton mm -hmm. and Watford under pressure um, and develop our own lads rather than having to rely on, on taking players on loan from them clubs. Ian, as I say, I just think it's absolutely phenomenal. I do appreciate it because I know that this has been a long-term vision. But just again, coming back to uh, the football progression here and now, ultimately, it's so much easier, isn't it, to breed that new, that new talent, finding that maybe one or two to naturally progress when the team are in a strong culture of success whether it's kind of an organic development as opposed to being thrust into, uh, oh, goodness gracious me, we don't know what we're doing this weekend. We're a bit stressed kind of a situation. So once again, I think the footballing progress is going hand in glove with this long-term vision. So just give me an idea of, uh, I guess, how exciting it must be to be balancing this, uh, this situation at this moment in time. Frustrating as, as it must be, that it can't be progressed at this particular time. I, I think you, the word you just said there is frustrating because it, it has probably slightly halted the, the progression of where we want to be now. Um, you know, we've got to look at the academy side. Haven't really played since November. Um, so we've managed to, to bring five or six of them into train with us. Um, some on a regular basis, some not so, so much, only because they've picked up injuries or, or we've, we've just said that the squad was too big at that stage and left, left it quite a slightly smaller squad. Um, but I would say frustration is the biggest because we haven't really seen the, the real progression of, of probably five or six of them. Um, we've seen the progression of two of them so far. There's certainly one or two more there that, that, that can make the step up. But it's getting back to playing regular football. It's getting back to them playing regular youth team games, giving us an opportunity to see them play. Um, it's getting back to them training regularly as a group rather than individuals. Um, and then it's about the progression and us having games against some of the better sides where we can actually throw these boys in and have a look at them and see how they progress and see whether they're going to be ready for first team football, whether they'll be ready for men's football as well, which is important. Um, and then see what sort of status they make in terms of playing football week in, week out. Um, because 
I've certainly known in the past that some boys will come in and they'll do great early on and have a little bit of a blip. And we might have to just drop them out just to give them a couple of weeks away and then bring them back in again. And they'll come back in with much more ex uh, expertise in terms of what to expect. Um, but it's about how we treat them as well because they are young. Um, they've got to be looked after correctly. We have to manage them properly in terms of the minutes they play. The training schedules have to be spot on. Um, and also have to manage, you know, the fact is that Hugh now is still only 17. So, you know, he's still under the age of 18. We've still got his parents that we have to talk to and manage his parents. And this is where I'm very, very lucky that, you know, I've got Dean Austin on that side of it. And, and Dean is, is, is fantastic where, where the players' welfare and the parents are included in everything that they do. So Dean takes a hell of a lot of pressure off me on that side of it. Um, and then he comes to me with, with what we expect and we have the conversations and, uh, you know, he's spot on in terms of the way he's, del he's delivered stuff to, to the boys and to the parents. Absolutely brilliant. And, and uh, you know, I think just exciting times. Ian, we know the frustrations. You've made that clear. As I say, lots will happen behind the scenes. The purpose of tonight's conversation is not to drill into it. What I'd like to do just in closing is just to invite you to give a message to the Saints fans, uh, both for your thoughts on the campaign as is and your Hopes for us all as things progress. It's, it's as I say, it's a, it's a difficult one because, you know, I think um, somewhere along the line, I'd love these supporters to see a, to see our Sean Jeffers and a, and a Joy McKenna and uh, all these players that we've, we've brought in and developed and turned them into a fantastic squad. And, and I know some of the people watch the streaming. I know quite a few watch the highlights. But it'd be nice for them to come and see them personally and how they've, they've progressed, um, how they perform and how they handle themselves. Because these boys are a really good bunch. Our discipline is second to none in terms of the division. We've had one player sent off this year, which is James Klotsky, for two yellow cards at, uh, um, at Concord. And we was, we was told the second one was never a yellow card. And if it had been a red card, it would have been overturned. So, the, you know, the discipline of these players, the performance of these players have been, have been outstanding, second to none. And, you know, I'm the first to congratulate every single one of them for the way they've handled themselves, the way they train, the way they turn up on time. Um, they've been absolutely fantastic. And it'd be great for, for the supporters to, to come and witness these players and actually see them in their prime. And I know we had the opportunity against Duck Tombridge um, where we got 700 people in and, and I'm sure they enjoyed that performance. And, and unfortunately, we went back into lockdown. So, but... As I've said all along, you know, this, this virus hasn't gone away. This virus doesn't understand crowds. This virus, it, it, it's scary. And, you know, I, I've been privileged to, to have the virus. And at the time when I was announced or pronounced that I was positive, it was, it was quite a fear that went through my body. Um, and it was only after a few days that you realise that you're not going to get the most serious um, side effects of, of what this this was bringing though we got the coughs and we got the aches and the pains i didn't get what a lot of people which ended them ended, ended up in hospital so we have to respect that um and we also have to respect that our supporters we've got to make sure they stay stay well stay safe but it'd be great to have them back because i think it'd be fantastic for for the supporters and the players to get together to know each other a bit more rather than just you know via our our fantastic streaming service and media team have got a fantastic um 
season together in terms of the way they've presented everything. And I have to say, yourself and Graham and Tony have done a fantastic job in terms of the way you've presented Radio Verulam, first and foremost, but the, the the way that the games have been presented by yourself in terms of your commentary and everything. And, uh, you know, as I say, for the players, myself and everybody at St. Elmer's, thanks yourself and our media team for putting a fantastic, fantastic um, job in terms of getting it out to our very, very good and loyal supporters. Yeah, I really appreciate those brilliant words and it's an honour and a privilege. The, the Saints are at the core of our sporting community and uh, from an on-field perspective, they're in safe hands under your stewardship. I would like to take just a moment for myself here at uh, Verulam Sports Podcasting, the whole team at Radio Verulam, to wish you, the Saints, at every level, behind the scenes, those wonderful volunteers, your media team, of course, all the stars, every continued success and happiness. And we'll be tremendously excited as and when things revert to continue to support, champion and celebrate your fantastic developments. Ian, again, a big thank you for your time tonight. Thanks, Tony. Really appreciate that.